Amen. Thank you, Brother Holmes. Amen. He was just telling me, take my liberty, relax, say everything you want to say. Oh, hallelujah. Boy, I like it when it's like that, don't you? Amen. I was in a waiting room recently in the hospital. A boy in our church had been in a car accident. And the surgeon was trying to fix just a simple little broken arm. And the prescribed time for the surgery went past. And me and mom and dad and brothers and sisters, none of us were kicking on the door saying, hurry up. Hurry up, doctor. Hurry up. You know what our attitude was? As long as you're in there, get it right. Does anybody feel that way this morning? said, Brother White, if you could just get in there, our attitude's going to be as long as you're in there, just, just get it right. Get it taken care of. I so appreciate the wonderful hospitality of this church, of your pastor, amen, and the blessing that they have been to my life. And I mean that sincerely. Brother Wilmoth just preached to us and well, if he calls that a bunt, this is way too big of a field for me to play in. I mean, way too big of a field. If that's a bunt, what he just did, amen. My, what a rich, rich blessing we just received from the Lord. And I invite you to turn, if you will, my understanding, I was not here, but my understanding is this was the same text that Brother Kuhn used yesterday, but I wasn't here, but I was in prayer, and the Lord talked to me about it too. So you heard the Kuhn version, now you're going to hear the Phillips version of it, Jude Verse number 3, book of Jude, if you'll turn there. Verse number 3, and it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly Contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend. Most of you are probably not aware of what I'm going to title my thought today. It is a little-known fact in the history of the nation of Israel especially in the time period of about 100 years ago. But I want to use that and talk to you today on this subject, the Uganda Plan for Apostolics. The Uganda Plan for Apostolics. Would you lift your voice and pray? 
and ask God to talk to us. God in heaven, I love you. I lean on you. I depend on you. I need your mighty power, God. I need your mighty touch, Lord. I need the Holy Ghost, God. I need it upon me, Lord. I need an anointing from God. Oh, God, a glorious anointing from God that would work, Lord, that would speak, God. Oh, mighty God, to each and every minister that is here, Lord, I'm praying in Jesus' name for your help. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Oftentimes at the first of a message, you hear a story that is told by a preacher. Later on in the message, you're scratching your head trying to think, what did that story that he told at the first of the message have to do with what he preached? And often you're just led to believe that that was a wonderful crowd breaker that he used to just kind of warm us up just a little bit and get us lighthearted or feeling one way. The story that I'm going to start off with here today is not that. It has enormous implications on every part of the message that God has put upon my heart today for you as ministers. It's a true story that happened in a National Geographic mission that they were sent and they were to place upon the top of Mount Everest some particular tracking uh, scientific materials that would enable them to be able to learn more about the earth and the shifting of the plates and all of that. There was the service of an American doctor that was asked for and uh, he went along on that mission. He was told that since this is a, a government-sponsored project, we want to be real good to the locals as we go because they are the people that are going to help provide transportation up and down. We want to spread good will. There's a lot of tribal people that live in various areas and villages at the peaks and the summits of these mountains on your way up. And so he was given strict instructions that he was to make sure that if any of the local natives there needed a little bit of doctoring, if they needed anything done, most of them, this would be one chance in a lifetime to ever have a Western doctor to look at them. They live and die without the chance again, so take your time. And, of course, many, many such things occurred, but one stood out to me in particular was the Sherpa people, which are a tribe indigenous to there. Up in the highlands, a lady came to him one day with a horrible toothache from an abscess tooth and he was asked, is there anything you can do to help? 
Though he didn't have Novocaine, he had other types of painkillers that he understood could kill the pain, deaden the area. He could extract the tooth, and that lady would be taken care of. Unfortunately, he didn't plan it that way, but uh, the moment that the needle went in and the painkiller started taking effect, and she started immediately feeling relief from some pain that had, well, you know, if you've ever had an abscess tooth, I don't need to describe it to you. She was just giddy with joy. She was so, so grateful and so thankful and in her native tongue started telling everybody, I'm cured. I'm cured. I'm cured. And everybody, you know, I can see, I can just imagine them celebrating with her till finally the doctor shakes his head and gets a translator back there and says, wait, 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 wait just a minute. Please, please, somebody, somebody tell her in her own language that she's not cured. Tell her that there's more that has to be done or else. Let her to somehow see and realize that this isn't it. So they tried, and they tried, and they tried. And over the protest of the doctor and the insistence that we're going to leave this base camp tomorrow and go up to another base camp, and I'm sorry, ma'am, but I can't come back when you change your mind. I can't come back when you get to thinking a little bit different than how you're thinking right now. And you've got to persuade her that she's wrong. She's not cured. That was just the pain killer that needed to be injected so the extraction could take place. But he was beating his gums the air, and sad as he could be, he had to load up because he watched her skipping off down the trail, just buzzing, beaming from ear to ear how happy and elated she was that she had found the cure. She found it. Now, you're smart enough to connect the dots. I'm not going to give you all of the applications to that little story. I'll just offer a couple of them. Amen. First of all, temporary relief isn't ever the cure that you thought it was going to be. Amen. Secondly, others may have insight that you don't have. Come on, smile at me a little bit this morning. You don't need Starbucks to smile in the morning, do you? Amen. Others just might have some insight that you don't possess. Are we too arrogant to admit that? 
Amen. And, and it just might be wise to listen up every now and then. To lay aside your preconceived notions about how right you are and listen to somebody else's perspective that's there trying to help you. Amen. Hallelujah. The Uganda plan is an extremely, extremely interesting thing that happened with the nation of Israel. The Jews, about a century ago, were being persecuted. They were being exiled. And they were longing for the promises of God. They had been banished from the Holy Land. And they so desperately wanted to get back to it. And all over the world, in the midst of their pain and their suffering, there began to be men that were Jewish men to try to figure out with their own pool and their resources and their thought processes to how can we get some relief to the situation that's going on with our Jewish brethren that are here. Theodore Herzl was the main spokesman at that time. He actually formed what was called the World Zionist Organization. He decided that he was not just going to talk about it. Bless God, they were going to do something about it. And so they began to try to brainstorm, what can we do to help our brethren? The Arabs are too hostile there in Palestine. Is there any alternatives anywhere where we can go to find them a safe haven? Is there anywhere that we might find anywhere? And so Britain's prime minister, Joseph Chamberlain, knew of the efforts of this famous Jew of the day, and he came home from a trip to Africa. There visiting a British colony that was in East Africa. And he called for an audience with Mr. Herzl. And he said, I have found the solution that you have been looking for. I know what's going on. I also feel compassion for the Jews and I understand your pain. He said, I have found a place in East Africa. It encompasses the country of Uganda primarily, but parts of Kenya that are now there in countries at that time were part of a British protectorate that was there. And they had the rights and the authority to do with the land of anything that they wanted to do. And he told him of the plan. He said, I've found what you're looking for. We will give you 5,000 square miles 
of land right there in that country. And we're going to make sure that you Jews have some relief from the pain that you've been feeling. We're going to make sure that everything is fine for you. They began to discuss what the land was all about that was there. Amen. And uh, he told him, it's better than the land of Palestine. It's better than the land that you guys have longed for and ached for and thought for. And he began to describe to him that part of that land in Uganda actually was a large portion of Lake Victoria. If you've ever looked, I did. National Geographic had a map that was a satellite photo of the entire world. And the deepest green that there is, the only place in the world that was the same color of the deepest green, amen, was the Brazilian rainforest. And the only other place on all of the planet was that luscious area around Lake Victoria. That beautiful place, unbelievable. What a, a virtual garden of Eden that this spot was going to be. They began that Lake Victoria is the second largest freshwater lake in the whole world. I mean to tell you, it ain't nothing like that dinky little sea of Galilee that you guys have been pining for, that you guys have been longing for. It ain't nothing like that old dead sea down there where nothing grows in it. This place has got unbelievable fruitfulness and abundance of wildlife and fish like you wouldn't imagine. Amen. Begin to talk about the soil that's there. Look it up, my friend. Extremely fertile soil. If you've ever been to the land of Israel, you scratch your head and think, why is this called the promised land? I've never seen such rocky soil in all of my life. Why did God call this the land that flows with milk and honey? They got to work extra hard to get anything to grow. Uh, and back in those days, uh, what wasn't barren land was swamp, mosquito-infested land that they couldn't do anything with. That very difficult to get it to produce. And not only is it extremely fertile soil, but it has a year-round growing season. Wow. Wow. You don't have to. Now, now I know because I live in Southern California and we have what's called the Mediterranean climate out there. It's dry 10 months out of the year, and you get all kinds of rain two months out of the year. 
That's the Mediterranean climate. I live in the midst of that. All of the rest of you don't quite understand what that's like. But to get a year-round growing season of unbelievably fruitful, fertile soil that gets rain all year long, in Israel, you got to work to irrigate. you got to work hard to get anything to grow. And it's not a year-around growing season. you got to deal with that. you got to understand. But, oh, the sales job was on, brother. Winston Churchill actually visited Uganda as a young man, and he was quoted as saying, amen, that it is the pearl of Africa. Brother, it's the spot. It's the exact spot that you're yearning for and longing for. And so a Zionist conference was plan for. And there, Mr. Herzl, with the promise and the commitment from the British prime minister that was there, presented the plan to the Jews that were at the conference, presented the plan unto them to say, brethren, what think ye, what think ye of this choice opportunity that is here to end the pain, to end all that's, all that our brethren have had to endure and get the job done. Amen. And there were those, matter of fact, it was the majority the majority was saying, well, there's no perfect situation. We've got to do something, and something's better than nothing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ain't ever going to have it right. Well, well, you know, you know what? It's, it's the best that we can hope for. Come on, brethren, don't be so narrow-minded to rule out the possibility of this. After all, you know, uh, amen, this life isn't all there is to it. Uh, maybe what we've longed for, we're going to get it when we get to Abraham's bosom. And let's hang up the idea of finding and reliving, uh, amen, these promises that God made to us. Oh, is there anybody hearing me today? Amen. And so the debate went back and forth uh, that was there. There were delegates uh, that were voting on that occasion. And some of them were standing up uh, and saying, Brethren, uh, sorry, but we've talked to them that are under the most dire circumstances in communist countries and other places. Uh, and finally, Mr. Herzl said, I don't understand it. They got a rope around their neck. But they'd rather die than to accept a promised land at any place other than Israel. Woo. Don't understand it, but the, the ones we're trying to help just don't quite agree with us that we ought to accept something less than the ideal that God put in His Word. 
Woo, hallelujah. Well, 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 well. I hope I got enough anesthesia in you to last. And the vote of the delegates was 98 abstained. We're so confused. We don't know which way to vote on this. We're so mixed up. We hear you. We hear this side. We hear that side. But, oh, we, uh, we, we, we got sympathies for this and sympathies for that. No, we're just not going to vote. 98 didn't vote. 177 voted against it. But 295 voted in favor of. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, yes, Mr. Chairman, yes, yes, yes. We, we, let's don't go too fast, but let's send an investigative committee to go check out Uganda, to go see if just maybe it's going to fill the bill. Just maybe it's half as good as what we've been told that it is. Let's go. Well, yeah, curiosity's about to kill this cats. And, and we got to know, is there something like that that we can have? And as it always does, one thing always leads to another. And that what Uganda wasn't the only place they went to investigate. Before it was all done, they had sent later expeditions to Canada to Australia, to Iraq, to Libya, and to Angola. Brother, when you cross that line, that you're willing to accept something less than God's original promise, you're on a slippery slope that you will never catch your balance from. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. And so it did. That, you know, they, they had a way. You know what? They code-named the project. They couldn't call it the Uganda plan. They code-named it Samson. Isn't it neat what a spiritual title can be put on carnal things? Isn't that amazing? They code-named it Samson. He's the guy that can go in among the Philistines and still come out the victor. You hadn't read the last chapter of old Samson's life, have you? Amen. You have no idea what's going on. Hallelujah. And so it is. Amen. Hallelujah. You and I are living in the day where pragmatism is the rule, even among one God apostolics. Pragmatism. I got it out of the dictionary for you. Amen. Because I want to make sure I got it exactly right. It's practical consequences and useful results of ideas as the test of their truthfulness. In other words, try it out. Try it out. Get some ideas and be practical about it. Don't be closed mind. Uh, try it out and see if it proves out. 
to be truthful or not truthful. And pragmatism considers truth itself to be a process. Got to go through the process in order to see what process do you need to go through to figure out whether you're going to accept something less than God's original promise. Mm, hallelujah. He promised a glorious church. Whoo, hallelujah. He promised an apostolic ministry that would possess the gates of her enemies. Uh, amen. He promised uh, that you and I, after 2,000 years, uh, could still have it just like the book of Acts that we could still have the exact place of promise and take over and do it like the apostles did it. Not like anybody's Uganda plan. Not like any other designs of men. He promised that. He promised that. Yes, he did. Benjamin Netanyahu, who is currently the prime minister of the land of uh, the nation of Israel wrote he was he was asked why why your grandfather lived in those times and he was asked why was he so opposed to the Uganda plan was it because of doubt whether England would really grant them the land he writes this in one of his books amen you can, you can pick it up, read it. It's called Enduring Peace. He quotes his grandfather. He said on the con... This, this were the words of my grandfather when asked about that. Did you guys just think England wasn't really going to come through with the promise? He said, on the contrary. We believed that the British would be faithful to their word. In those days, England enjoyed a great reputation among the Jews. But it was precisely... Because we believed that the project could be carried out, that we were all the more opposed to it. For so many centuries, the Jewish people had made so many sacrifices for this land, had shed their blood for it, had prayed for a thousand years to return to it, uh, had tied their most intimate hopes uh, to its revival. We considered it inconceivable that we would now betray the generations of Jews uh, who had fought and died for this end. Uh, it would have been a terrible moral and emotional collapse. Uh, it would have rendered the whole of Jewish history meaningless. We had to oppose it. Be seated. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Didn't matter. Didn't matter who or where. He said we was obligated. Have you ever, have you ever stopped to think of how much has gone in to this apostolic church that you and I are enjoying today? 
Amen. Uh, the martyrs that gave their life for it uh, and would not accept Rome's uh, Uganda plan for what a church was supposed to be, uh, but made it up in their mind. Feed me to the lions. Uh, chop my head off. Uh, I'm not taking nothing less uh, than the original pattern uh, that God promised uh, no matter who does. Ooh, hallelujah. 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 Be seated. Amen. I want to ask you. I want to ask you. Are there things that are non-negotiable to you? Huh? Are you just a little bit open-minded when some brethren of yours start trying to convince you that they've found something less? Is the apostles' doctrine Oh, hallelujah. Every part of it, is it non-negotiable to you? <laughs> Do you have to have it exactly, exactly the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T exactly like Peter, Paul, and James and the rest of them had it at the early church? Oh, yeah. Massive Lake Victoria appeals to those that want to have a purpose-driven church. Oh, if you think that's just the Trinities, you should have been with me. When I went to a conference of a oneness organization in the city of Burbank, that I haven't been to any of their meetings for over 20 years. I never belonged to that organization. It wasn't who you think it was. Amen. But I went because, uh, amen, I had some friends that I went to Bible school with years ago. God forgave me for the Bible school too. Amen. And oh my, I, I, I was curious uh, about what in the world, where were they today? Shocked half out of my mind when it came time for the preacher to come and preach at one of their district conferences. Uh, and out of the audience, a man, a man with his pullover sports shirt, amen, a colleague on the payroll for the purpose-driven church machine, walked up and he was the evening speaker at that oneness church conference explaining to them how you don't have to compromise your doctrine at all to get in on this big benefit. Uh, hey, we can build synagogues down around Lake Victoria too. Amen. You don't have to give up believing in one God to accept the move down here. You can do it all. You can have it all. Uh, but here's the way to get the job done. Will any river that has water in it work for you? <laughs> hey. 
Or is there something unbelievably sacred about a river that my forefathers carried an ark across? Oh, hallelujah. That Elisha and Elijah both stood at the banks of that river and walked across on dry ground. We so helplessly sentimental that we can't get broad-minded and accept an alternate plan. Be seated, brother. There's only one river got 12 memorial stones in the middle of it. And that's where I got to take my kids back to, to show them those memorial stones. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Does one God, new birth, Jesus' name, baptism, the separation from the world and holiness, just like the apostles had it, is any of that negotiable to you today? Can, you, can any of that be worked out in a political context to where others aren't required quite as much as you are? Hmm. Wow. Same book I was reading. Thank you, Brother Weeks, for that recommendation. Boy, I just keep getting nuggets out of it. His doctor was talking about pilots, vertigo that they get, and how confusing it is when that many G's, gravity is put on, launched on them, and they get up, and when, when they finally get off of the aircraft carrier, and the horizon, if they can see it, everything, everything's different, but they can get vertigo and get all messed up. And in the book, he explains in the book, and I, I wrote down this quote. I didn't want to miss one word of it. I didn't want you to think this was Philip's version. In the book, he said that's the reason why if someone watches a roller coaster ride on a big screen, I hope you don't have one of those for your grandkids to see cartoons on. Now, watching on a big screen a roller coaster ride as it's going, going on there, that people will literally get nauseated. Now, you're not moving. How can you get nauseated when you're not the one moving? You're standing still, but everything you're seeing up there is going like this and doing this. Amen. And this is what he said. I ain't making it up. He said the brain will believe its eyes over its ears anytime. The brain will believe its eyes over its ears anytime. Now, pardon me for being human, but I, I get nauseated 
when I hear some men preaching on holiness. I, I, I love to hear them preach on evangelism, and it don't bother me at all. I love to hear them preach on anything else, and my stomach don't even get queasy. But the eyes, <laughs> the brain will believe its eyes over its ears anytime, anytime. And I guess I just don't take enough Dramamine medicine to help me with the seasickness that some men bring on to me. And I get green and I want to say, thank you for the invitation to your boat, but would you let me off, please, please. Don't take anything personal, but please let, let me off of your boat for just a little bit. Because what I see in their youth group doesn't match the preaching I hear them preach. They can wax elephant. Amen. I'm telling you, they can. Long about holiness, 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 holiness. You say, well, are you judging them? You haven't been to their church. Well, some of my have, and you haven't. And the rest of them, if you'll get that filtered internet he was talking about, you can visit their websites. If you've got patches on underneath your ear and take a lot of Dramamine, uh, you can visit their websites uh, so you don't get too nauseated with what you see. They used to preach that sleeves are to be below the elbow. But what you see doesn't match what you hear them say. Whoa. Anybody want this surgery to end real quick here today? Take your time, doctor. Did I hear you? Take your time, doctor. Oh, yeah. Wow, they can preach a good holiness message. But they're young men. Look like they stepped out of a GQ magazine with these unbelievable hairdos and long sideburns that were never a part of the original promises of God. Well, I got a few of you around here that are voting against the Uganda plan. I got a bunch that are abstaining. Uh, they're just a little bit afraid to know uh, which way to vote on the Uganda plan. Be seated. 
The young ladies have all got French nails now. And tinted toenail polish. And I'm supposed to stand up. Oh, wonderful message on holiness you preach. Can you hand out some Pepto-Bismol when you're going to preach on holiness, please? Because my brain, I can't help it, I'm hardwired that way. And so are you. My brain believes its eyes more than it does its ears. Hallelujah. Well, he's gone to meddling. I'm sure he's not anointed now. Is our apostolic worship non-negotiable to you? Oh, do you still vote for the original plan? Mm. Or are there investigative committees? And going out looking for music alternatives to the old-fashioned way. That Pentecostals love to have church. Oh, God, have mercy. Somebody unplug his mic, please. He's just digging deeper and deeper and deeper. We've got some innovative music people among the One God community. Some of them are listening to worldly music. And they claim it so they can stay abreast with what the kids are listening to nowadays. I'm not a part of your generation, but I was a part of the hippie generation. And we didn't need to drink the beer or smoke the pot or go to Woodstock or go see for ourselves what a strip club is all about to be able to effectively preach against it. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Hallelujah. If clean, godly music is not enough for you, sir, I don't care how talented you are. Get off of our platforms. Get off of our platforms before you convince others that the Uganda plan is okay. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I say one more thing about worship? Amen. We need to keep the cameras of TV and Internet out of our churches. You say you're just jealous, Brother White, because you don't have all the money to do all that. I didn't need all the money. Many years ago in my ministry, I was approached by a television station that came hunting for me.
told me about a program they were doing, and they knew a lady in our church, and they asked if we would be the third church that they would spotlight, showing the difference between the Roman Catholic Church and the Catholic Charismatic Churches. And young and zealous for the work of God, with all kinds of restrictions, I accepted it. And according to their own statistics, 40 million viewers watched this preacher preach about one God, preach on Jesus' name, baptism, preach all of the truths that you and I hold sacred. And from those that saw it, they claimed I did it justice, that I was in no way an embarrassment, presented it in a very, very favorable light. But I have to tell you something happened during those filming sessions when the cameras got inside of the sanctuary. Something affected those one God apostolic people that so unashamedly would weep and dance and run and shout and magnify God when the cameras weren't running up and down the aisles. Ah, I don't have time to explain it all. But you hear somebody that's been there, done that. That's a Uganda plan for apostolics. We're going to win the lost the same way the early church won the lost. We're going to win it with personal evangelism uh, just like they did it. That's exactly how, amen, they did it back then. Uh, and it's for, if some of you don't believe it, you ought to try it sometime. Uh, amen. If you think everybody out there is opposed to this message, uh, you should have been with me this past Saturday out on visitation and following up on a visitor. And as I'm shutting the gate, a retired man's got his hands on the fence next door. He said, hey, tell me what you're selling. I'll tell you, amen. Before we got done, uh, he'd ask if somebody from our church could pick him up. Uh, big old tears streaming down his cheek. Uh, he said, wait a minute. Uh, i got to ask one question. Uh, are you a Pentecostal church? Uh, I said, you better believe it. Uh, he said, that's the one I've always wanted to go to. Uh, that's the one I've always wanted to see. Well, Hallelujah. Be seated. Be seated. Are you ready? Are you ready for one more? Can I tell you the Uganda plan for apostolics is mixing politics with religion? I, I know you amen me up until now. Some of you did. Got a few votes. 
Still hadn't figured out how many of you are straddling the fence trying to figure out which way to go on this Uganda plan. 1945, wasn't far from here, over in southeastern Oklahoma is a town called McAllister. Many of you have probably never been there. And the name Pop McCoy doesn't mean anything to you, but he was my spiritual grandfather. He was my dad's pastor. In 1945, when the merger of two large oneness organizations was being formed and formulated, he, with his 12 sons in the gospel ministers that he was training, stood up to them in 1945 and informed them, informed them, that politics and religion did not mix well and informed them, amen, that as their pastor, he wanted to try to explain to them that the problem is the big tent mentality. And like all political organizations, they want a tent big enough to take in some that don't believe just exactly like they do. They want them in on the tent too. And so instead of staying true to convictions that men had held for all of their life, they get a little elasticity to it to take and make the big tent just a little bit bigger. Now, Please don't misunderstand me as I tell you this. The Uganda plan about politics and religion, it's all inclusive. Don't think I'm only shooting one side of this double-barrel shotgun today. I have to tell you, I've met just as many independent people that had become political in their mixing of politics and religion as I've met that belong to organizations. Mm -hmm. So you got independence, and I am, I are one. We can't talk right, can't spell right, but I are one. You got independence that the Uganda plan is offered to. It says, go ahead and mix politics and religion and everything will be fine. Then you've got those that are the official members of organizations. And you know who they are. But then you've got those that are closet members of organizations. Everybody but them knows who they are. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? We ain't smart, but we can connect a few dots, you know. Just, I don't understand it. I, I've never been that way. I, I just thought if I was for something, I was for it. And I wouldn't be ashamed to let anybody know it. If I wasn't, I wasn't. And I'm just not ashamed to let anybody know it. It's a fun way to live. You ought to try it sometime. 
Oh, hallelujah. A whole lot less stress than trying to remember who was I talking to last? Who was I talking to last? What did I say and how did I? Oh, God, have mercy. Maybe you can handle that. I don't know. But I'm telling you, politics and the Uganda plan. You hear this preacher today, and I'm almost done. But I've watched it through the years. The moment you politicize a meeting, whether it's your local fellowship meeting. Oh, yeah. That what the focus of the meeting is, is bragging about all that we and our group of fellowship is doing. The glory of the Lord begins to depart. Study it in your Bible, my friend. The reason why most people don't catch on that the glory of the Lord has started to depart is because the first step it does, it doesn't leave. It just repositions itself. It moves from the altar back to the door. But it's still in the building, and everybody can still feel it, and it's still there. And everybody knows there's glory still there. But the glory that used to be centered around an altar and around prayer and centered around bragging on God is now centered around talking about all that we've done and all that we're going to accomplish and all we can do. Oh, yeah. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm preaching to you, my friend. Uh, they had a fellowship meeting at Antioch one day. They really did. The Jerusalem churches believed in the Big Ten idea. They, they, they did. The Judaizers were as welcome at their church as the rest of them were. They put up with that mess. They let them all be apart. And suddenly there's a fellowship meeting down there at Antioch. And all of a sudden, the politically correct thing was stirring up some trouble. I read it. One translation said, as far as the leaders, that conference, Paul talked about it in Galatians, were concerned. I know not care what their exact position was. God's not impressed with a man's office. They had nothing to add to my gospel. He said, but I was down there. I, I, I was down there. And all of a sudden, some problems started happening. He said, but when Peter came to our fellowship meeting down in Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. It happened like this until the arrival of some of James' companions. Peter was in the habit of eating his meals with the Gentiles. After they came, however, he withdrew and, and was separately from the Gentiles out of sheer fear of what the Jews might think. Verse 13, so the rest of the Jews played the hypocrite along with him, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Wow! Paul, the original church, said religion and politics don't mix. I don't care if your name's Peter. They don't mix. 
politics will make a hypocrite out of you, Peter. And my sidekick, Barnabas, who was there with me when the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, to go to the Gentiles. When he got in front of the rest of you, he didn't quite have enough strength to stand on his own two feet and be non-political about it. He got carried away with the same mess out of his weakness that was inside of him. I close to tell you our young ministers are those who think we need politics and religion mixed so our young ministers can get connected. Paul never felt that way. Paul was pastor to several young men. Isn't it strange that he never took Timothy with him to Jerusalem? Does that ever pique your curiosity? He's a young preacher. I've got to get him connected with all of these other men. Paul knew that politics and religion would mess up a young preacher. And Paul said, Timothy, the only two connections you ever need to worry about is connected with your heavenly father and connected with your spiritual father. There are no other connections that are going to make your ministry more effective. You've got to get connected with those two. And you've got to make sure you've got it right. Uh, Brother White, I can't. My pastor went charismatic. Well, so did mine. But I promise you, I found a good elder that I could adopt. Hey, 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 please hear me today. Please hear me today. You won't be raised up as a well-balanced kid if you're raised in a group home. Do you hear me? You got to have somebody you call dad. You can't have a committee uh, being the ones that are raising you. You got to have a spiritual father. Knows how to yank your chain. Doesn't just know you from a distance to mold and to shape your life. There's dangers. I conclude, if there's a musician to come, I conclude to tell you there's intrinsic danger about the preacher that craves being connected with younger ministers that aren't his own sons in the gospel. There's danger to a man that craves influence among young ministers that are not his sons in the gospel. Paul never craved that. Peter never craved that. Nowhere did the New Testament church Oh, somebody's got to provide him with leadership. Somebody's got to, somebody, somebody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Skip your way along the trail back to your village.
at the Himalayan highlands. But one day, in one hour, a dull throb is coming back to that tooth. And a realization said, maybe, maybe I bought into the Uganda plan. Maybe I accepted something less than the exact apostolic pattern. Maybe I just didn't have it as right as I thought I did. Shall we stand together? Lead us in a song of worship before the Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Will any old mountain work for you? Or is there something unique about Mount Carmel? Where the fire fell. You're not willing to substitute any other mountain for it. Come on up for prayer. Let's talk to the Lord as we conclude here today.
don't we? Join together and sing it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I have drawn a yes, God. In the yes, God. And I won't be ashamed. Oh, yes. With the world behind me. The world behind me. And the cross before. By the grace of God, I will serve the Lord. Have you made your decision? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes, God. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, God. By the grace of God, I'm Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Glad I've made my decision, aren't you? Thank God for it. Amen. Above everything in this world, we must be saved. Must do the will of God. Amen. I appreciate Brother White today opening up his heart and preaching to us. I'm going to tell you something. Whenever we get to the place... We don't want to hear preaching, and we want to allow a man to preach out of his heart what God has given to him. We're a doomed bunch of people. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe in this with all of my heart, and I thank the Lord for it. I appreciate Brother White. I appreciate him uh, having a message from the Lord and a word from the Lord for us today. Amen. We appreciate it, don't we? Thank the Lord for it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I don't guess I've ever done this before, but we're gonna, I felt like doing it. So uh, if uh, you'll give them a little bit of time, uh, they'll make CDs. If you go in there and tell them you're a preacher, they'll give it to you. And that's that message today. Amen. Young men, preachers, and all of us, we need to hear the word of the Lord over and over, don't we? Praise God. Amen. Thank the Lord for it. Hallelujah. I must be saved above everything. Come on, let's talk to him together right now. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Thank you for a man speaking his heart here to us today, God. We receive your word today, God. We receive your word today, God. Thank you for it, God. We appreciate your goodness and blessings. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. They have uh, fixed uh, in the great hall for ministers today. So if you all will go and family, of course, in there. And then uh, we'll be back in here in about an hour. And, uh, and Brother French. It's going to be bringing us the word of the Lord. Looking forward to hearing him. Never heard him before. Just heard a lot of good reports. Amen. So God bless you, Brother French. We're looking forward to having you today. Amen. Brothers, if we'll go and, and uh, have something for the body, we'll come back and receive some more of the soul. God bless you.